Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. And Tom... Dorian, I just there has to be a pause, a pause in there because you know give people time. Hello, Deacon Jeff. How, How are you are doing? You? I'm doing well, sir. And you? I'm doing great. You uh, look great. <laughs> I like you. the idea of a middle name being just a meditative pause. I think that that <laughs> <laughs> that's actually my middle name. It's a meditative pause. Yes. Uh, so we are uh, boy. We're going to talk about something really um, sacred today. Uh, holy. And we're going to be on holy ground. Some people think the Catholic Cafe is on holy ground. It's actually not. I think it's, it's built on landfill. I'm pretty sure. Oh, but wow. uh, that gives a special flavor to the biscuits. Uh, <laughs> Don't tell the health department next time to do the check. <laughs> no, we're not going to. But we are looking at this. Uh, Some lady this, out there going, man, that's just nasty. Yeah. yeah. What's wrong with those guys? I, I, I realize that. I'm sorry I've offended everyone. Yeah. I, I apologize. Uh, but let's talk about Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Ooh. Let's just go there. Go. Is there some liturgical reason we should do that? We probably should. Uh, <laughs> uh, because, uh, honestly, uh, I, I, let's just read through this. Yeah. Uh, this is our first reading for this particular uh, Sunday yes. of Lent, and we're just gonna we're gonna kind of delve into it and see what it what it says to us. Mm. All right. Um, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the pri- the priest of Midian, leading the flock across the desert. He came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, an angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in fire, flaming out of a bush. As he looked on, he was surprised to see that the bush, though on fire, was not consumed. So Moses decided, I must go over to look at this remarkable sight and see why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw him coming over to look at, it, look at it more closely, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, he answered. Oh, he answered, here I am. God said, come no nearer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I am the God of your fathers, he continued, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. But the Lord said, I have witnessed the affliction of my people in Egypt and have heard their cry of complaint against their slave drivers, so I know well what they are suffering. Therefore, I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and lead them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Moses said to God, But when I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. If they ask me, what is his name? What am I to tell them? God replied, I am who am. Then he added, this is what you shall tell the Israelites. I am sent me to you. God spoke further to Moses. Thus shall you you say to the Israelites, the Lord your God. I'm sorry, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. Thus am I to be remembered through all generations. Again, that comes to us from Exodus chapter 3. You know, and and the first part of that reading, I didn't realize that Jethro was in Exodus before he was in Beverly Hillbillies. Beverly Hillbillies, yes. That's a whole different thing. (laughs) That is blasphemy, I think. Yeah, that's blasphemy. You're dating yourself. Yes. (laughs) 
that's true. Half our audience is like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you're talking about. You're right. I mean, there are very few people that know that. But I do. Uh, our audience mostly came across the Red Sea with Moses. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so they're more tuned in. Uh, to, they know exactly who Jethro is. Um, so here's the thing. Uh, th- this speaks volumes, uh, I think. And what, we kind of, what we want to kind of focus on today is this idea of being on holy ground. And what mm-hmm. does that mean? Right? What does it mean to be on holy ground? So l- l- some of the obvious images, right? Uh, we have this burning bush. And this burning bush essentially calls out to Moses. God in the burning bush sees Moses kind of like, and it's so funny. I, I love how scripture sometimes is so plainly obvious. I must go over and see this burning bush. You know, it's very interesting. <laughs> I must go over there. And Captain so, obvious. right. And so he goes there, right? And, uh, and, and the Lord calls out to him. But then tells him to take the sandals off his feet. Mm-hmm. Now, that is so foreign, I think, to a lot of people in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Does it seem like we've lost a sense of the sacred? Oh, yeah. 100%. In fact, I would say sacredness a lot of times gets... The thought of sacredness gets mocked. In fact, I think a lot of people treat it as a virtue. Um to tear down the sacred, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I say, I would say within the with our church, I mean within the secular world, oh, yeah. you know, the notion of the sacred is to an extent, to some, offensive. Right. Uh, you know, especially if it's a sacred that they see as being something that that is pres- preserving ideas that are that are perpetuating, you know, repressive. You know, norms and yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's proselytizing almost, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's been there's been a very you know we we hear about the term like iconoclasm, you know, from the from the Middle Ages. I think to an extent, whatever the the right Latin word would be, there's there's a desire to just sort of break uh, the sacred uh, Mm -hmm. within the secular world. Yeah, I I think I agree with that, and I think that uh, our young people are being raised in a culture right now that doesn't value the sacred. In the same way that maybe we did in our generation uh, and those before us. And, and, and so as we have these subsequent generations, it seems like there's less and less sacred. Now, there are pockets of very sacred mm-hmm. that I think exist. And I think it's, 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 it's important that we note them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think in general, especially from, from a, a worldview, looking at, at the culture of the world, it's less sacred now than it's ever been. I mean, I, I just I, th- I think it's a, we're in a, a dangerous place where we have uh, kids uh, who really don't necessarily have a sense of the sacred, or what they think is sacred is really not, mm-hmm. and that worries me a little bit. Or, or since you're going towards children, I think that that's an an important uh, uh, maybe look at the family structure. You know, I think it's more of a modernist uh, uh, phenomenon, so to speak, that it used to be once upon a time that <laughs> you know children were to receive wisdom from their parents that was handed on from their parents and was handed on right. from their parents and this is how you meet a uh, a spouse and this is the way to the best way to live a life and that that was there was something in that that was just sort of reverence within the church domestic and i think over the past centuries uh, you know since modernism has grown more and more in its influence i think one of the offshoots is each successive generation has a tendency to look at the previous generation as just a group of people who don't get it yeah they're stuck in old ways because nowness the now is emphasized as being the thing where wisdom is happening mm-hmm. right and and so the and and so part of wisdom is breaking the old 
and and getting rid of it and and of course then the the later their children will say the same thing about them you know what i mean and no so, this is this is true and and i and i think that we 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 can firmly establish and i think most people will not disagree that the state of the world is one that is not particularly sacred, and, and it's certainly not friendly to the sacred. Yeah, right. In general, I mean, again, there are pockets uh, of where people where people have maintained some sense of tradition and sacred. But the, I guess the issue that like sort of we raised today, and what we want to talk about, is how some of that that sort of worldly culture that seems to be less sacred has seeped into the church has found oh, its way yeah. into worship has found its way or, or out of worship however you want to view it and, and where, where we run a risk i think sometimes of looking at uh at, at worship now and 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 what's happening in worship and, and what are we teaching our kids and what do they what do they come away with in our church right speaking specifically of of uh you know 21st century catholics what is their experience is it a sacred experience? And, I, and I'm, I'm, this is not to judge uh, certain uh, points of view and, and certain types of liturgy in any particular priest or parish, uh, whatever your experience may be. I, that's not what I'm doing. I do want to ask a general question. Are we more or less sacred? And I tend to think that we're struggling in the sacred column, right? That, that we're, we're starting to lose a sense of the sacred. I, I, I often quote, uh, there's an early uh, desert eastern father named Apollos who uh, was known to have said, um, Satan has no knees, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's a scary thought. I mean, and you start and think like, well, are we teaching people to genuflect before the tabernacle? Mm-hmm. Well, typically not. When, you, when you're sitting in the parish, do you see people offering reverence in, in the direction of Jesus in the tabernacle? And again, this is not judgment on the people that, that don't or haven't, um, but I think we're a product of this this less sacred worldly culture that's kind of seeping in uh, into our own experience, and it's troublesome. Well, and some of our separ- separated brothers and sisters, especially, have tended more towards worship services that seem to be more ordered towards entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is for some people, and especially since we have dwindling numbers in our own church as well, and people are to an extent scrambling. I think sometimes people are asking these days. Well, are we really getting people's attention? Are we really like putting right. on something that's engaging people and getting them to want to come back? Uh, and 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 the problem is for that is are we then are we playing to a consumer heart, right? Or and, and if we are, is that getting in the way of our ability to help create servant hearts? Some well, of that though, I got to say this, Deej. Some of that I think goes back to do people really believe that that is jesus christ inside that tabernacle that's true yeah Yeah, because if you really do then you're going to behave completely differently well it changes it does change what you do or it causes you to react differently oh yeah right is 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 if you were uh if you saw a close friend and you were walking by them uh on the street because they were a close friend, you'd stop and say hi. You'd je- you, it would change your behavior, but if you didn't know who they were, you'd walk right past. Right. And so there's a, a part, I agree with you, that if you knew the person in that tabernacle, you'd stop and say hi mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a reverential form. I get that. I, I do want to go back, and I want to defend my Protestant brothers and sisters. I, oh, yeah, yeah. Some I, of them, I, some I, of them I, I don't do be, that. I want to yeah. be clear that I, I, I think that in some of those churches, they they're very fired up about Jesus Christ. That's true, and they preach the word, um, and 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 honestly also think that 
uh, you know, it's what has also seeped into our own, our own liturgies is a desire for an emotional high. Yes. Right? Really good music. Something the kids can can kind of move to and kind of feel the beat, and and there's a desire to do that. Uh, and again, I, I think the desire is genuine. I, I don't think it's an unholy desire, but I just I wonder if because we've lo- we because we still we we don't want to take our sandals off, right? We don't want to stop and say there's something special about this place right. and where I am and stand and, and who I am standing in front of. Right or who is being made present on that altar? There, there is something special about that, and and that's the part I think that we're missing, in in my opinion. Um, I I do want I want to tell you guys an experience I had, the very first time, and I always think of this experience when I read this particular uh, Exodus uh, reading, and that is when I went to Lourdes for the first time. Uh, we were in the hotel, and, and I was staying in this, uh, it was about the size of a cigar box, maybe two cigar boxes, right? And it was a tiny little hotel packed in there. My suitcase was bigger than the room. And so get in there, <laughs> unpack everything, uh, and then kind of like get adjusted to the time, et cetera. Then kind of go, and I'm heading towards what they call the domain, which is the, the area where uh, the grotto at Lourdes is, where Mary appeared to Bernadette. And so I'm heading that way, and I make my way through the many shops that uh, that sell the rosaries. And they're outside what's called the domain, right? So there's a big wall, big gate. You can't go in there. You can't sell. There's no nothing sold in that immediate area, right? It's 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 it's, it's held. Uh, the, the 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 money changers in the temple are outside the temple, right? There, the money changers are out there, and they're selling beautiful rosaries. I don't want right. to beat them up for selling rosaries and pictures of Mary and statues. But it was lovely, but there's a ton of them out there. But then you step into this area, the domain, and you make your way towards the grotto. And the very first time I was there, uh, I go and I, and I actually have to kind of stand in a little line, uh, and then you get to walk through the grotto. And I walked and got there and closer and closer and closer. And as I got to the grotto where you can actually take your hands and put them on the, on the, the solid rock walls, you know, which are, which are moist from the from the spring, you know, mm-hmm. where Mary said dig there and water. There's, there's lots of humidity and moisture seeping down these rock walls. And you, you run your hand alongside them and you're thinking that, you know, just a couple hundred years ago, right, or 150 years ago, uh, you know, this little girl named Bernadette was collecting wood down here. And Mary appeared to her several times. And when you're there, I'm going to be honest with you guys, it was one of the first times where I really felt like something beautiful and supernatural something just absolutely sacred happened on this spot in this i just felt different i felt mm-hmm. drawn into that and and there was something supernatural about it mm-hmm. uh and it it taught me something very profound that like that's different this space is different where i am now is different now i didn't take my shoes off yeah i'm not a discalced carmelite <laughs> uh and I, so i didn't take my shoes off uh but but i did feel like that that something happened here You're on sacred ground. That's right. Yeah, it was holy ground, and I and I knew that. And that, you know, they had built an altar, and they even had a little. Uh, There's a little uh, brass or or whatever uh, plaque there, and you go over and you kind of make your way over to it, and you look at it, and this is where uh, John Paul II, uh, Pope Saint John Paul II, had knelt when he visited Lourdes, and so they marked that spot with a little plaque, and then you feel like, well, here's holy ground on holy ground, you know, and there's just there's just something very profound about that. And I wish everybody could 
walk through Lourdes, touch the walls, be in that grotto, and then sense that and see if they can make a comparison to how they experience um, like their parish, their church. Mm-hmm. When they go to the to their own parish, to like uh, when, as they near the sacristy or the, the, the sanctuary, if they as they near where the altar is, do you sense that? Do you sense the Lord's presence? And and I and I fear that most people aren't open to that, and that's the thing. Again, this is the troubling thing to me that I think that all of us, regardless of where we fall in, uh, you know, the ranks of novus ordo versus extraordinary form or or whatever, wherever you fall in that, it's just like, do you have holy ground? Is and do you treat it in a holy and sacred way? Do you recognize it to be holy? And, and and what is it that we're called to do as we as we experience that? Because mm-hmm. I, I I I challenge myself. You know, uh, I try to remember, but you know, who's in that tabernacle? So as I'm going about as a deacon, I'm you know before mass and after mass, I am busying myself with with taking care of uh, of all the uh, the vessels, the sacred vessels, and cleaning things up or putting things out or going to the tabernacle to see how many hosts are in there. Right in the ciborium, so I can see how many we're going to need to consecrate at mass, the mass that's coming up, or or whatever. And the and the point is, I have to. It's an ongoing challenge to realize um, what I'm doing and what a special place I'm in. And it reminds me of why they used to have altar rails. Oh yeah, right. There was there was a time. There's still a few churches that still have altar rails. And there's a part of me that that longs for um, maybe a more formal uh, setting, kind of like the the walls in uh, Lourdes. Yes, exactly. It defines that sacred S- something ground. that says this is this is uh, you're, you're entering the, you're you're entering the domain. Right. No rosaries will be sold beyond this point. Right. right. In the same way in your parish, I mean, if you look and see that that altar, the sanctuary area, mm-hmm. it's set apart. It should be set apart from the nave of the church. So when you were in Lourdes, were there tourists there? Or are they just pilgrims? There's a lot of well, okay. So they're mostly ho- holy tourists. Okay. Right. They're they're pilgrims for the most part. Okay. Uh, it's very prayerful, right? And and the in the in the grotto are the, the tour are the tourists Catholic? Or are they Protestant or all the above? So there's there's there are some tourists there. Okay. There are people taking pictures that that look like they're not necessarily practicing Catholics. And there's a reason I'm asking this. Yeah, well, ask me that question. So, so Cindy and I got to go to see Mary's house in Turkey. Oh, okay. And uh, we had the exact same experience you had. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, but it beautiful. was filled with Muslims and Protestants and Catholics from all over the world. Right. And uh, everybody, everybody there had the exact same. Uh, since they kind of carried themselves with reverence, it was really awesome to see. Yeah, sometimes the 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 uh, when you go into St. Peter's Basilica, there's a lot of people with a lot of cameras taking yeah. pictures and uh, you know Sistine Chapel places like that where people are going to want to, even though it's a no photo, you know. Right. Uh, but but there are people that have this. Well, I want to take a picture of this, you know. Yeah. And uh, so there is some tourism, but. When you're in a sacred place like that, mm-hmm. it's a, it's always amazing to see how everyone tends to be respectful. Yeah, right. Even the ones who might not be practicing Catholics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That so I'm certain in Lourdes, there's, um, you know, it's it's literally a backwater town. It's literally in the middle of kind of nowhere in oh, France. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, you know, in France, 
Notre Dame, you know, burnt down the Notre Dame Cathedral, and or a lot of it was severely damaged in that fire. Yeah, and it's my it's being reported that the plans to rebuild the Notre Dame Cathedral are are plans for an extremely modern update uh, to the cathedral. And you know, prior to the fire, obviously Notre Dame Cathedral, I and mean, just like you're describing, Tom and Deacon Jeff, people from all backgrounds, if they're visiting France and they're looking for places to see, they a lot of them would go to the Notre Dame Cathedral just because partly it's beautiful, mm-hmm. it's a major landmark, but it's also, I think, sacred uh, as well. And I, I wonder whether or not, like, all those boxes are going to be unchecked. If everything is just completely redone and updated and modernized, I'm not. I'm not saying they're going to put beanbag chairs in there instead of pews, but you know, right. like right. I saw some sketches, and it looked like there was going to have like there, like on one end uh, at either end to be these gothic, uh, whatever what's remaining there, and then like this sort of crystal cathedral kind of thing yeah, that's, yeah. that's sort of built into it. And and that to me is problematic because I, I, I really think that right now that we're we're in a particular time in the church when I think young people especially but people in general but young people certainly are are really uh they're clamoring for something in the sacred i mean it's it's why a normal typical parish now uh is is seeing a lot of young ladies wearing veils Mm. and it's to me it's beautiful to see It, it just it's beautiful to see and i'm not saying that people have to wear veils and i'm not saying that 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 old you know, from the 1917 code of canon law, it needs to be back in effect or whatever. I'm not saying any of those things. What I am saying is that we need to take the temperature of the people. We need to see that that people are 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 desiring something where they have the sense of the sacred. And I think it speaks to it just like the burning bush. You know, is calling out to us and our burning bush. You know, in our parish is our tabernacle. And are we letting that tabernacle just, are we letting Christ just present himself and speak to the heart? Or are we sort of, are we stepping in to package him and pitch him right. in a way that falls short of the reality that is him? So, and, and I don't Great necessarily want to, I don't necessarily want to beat up on the, uh, uh, and say that everybody is, I mean, we're having lots of these uh uh, masses done in with clown noses on and and you know uh, kind of and ukuleles and b- saxophones and bizarre instrumentation the music that may be happening uh, and we see examples of it on social media a lot uh, and I I really think though our, our our greatest enemy is the banal our greatest enemy is the is the sort of whitewashing the the making things like plain vanilla and, and just uh, where we don't really just like just amp up our catholicism we don't we we, we need to amp up uh, the sacred and help people to, we need more sacred silence at mass we we need more things that are going to draw out of us some some sense of the sacred uh something that is again puts us in touch with the supernatural again this is not a judgment on uh other uh, uh you know like on the novus ordo or whatever i attend the novus ordo parish Right and 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 there are times where it's just absolutely beautiful, mm-hmm. and there are times where I go like, well, that might have been done a little better, and I don't want to beat up the the, the parish priest or, or anybody like that. I, I just want all of us to start to wonder just how often do we take our sandals off? How often do we stop and think, where am I? What am I doing? Yeah. Right? You're asking people to address themselves, how they conduct themselves. A hundred percent. This is not about it's pointing not about fingers, point right. Right. Right, right, right? Because you can be extremely sacred uh, reverential respectful 
in a place where everyone else isn't. That's right. And that's that's not judgment. That's you uh, tilling your own garden. Right. Right. You taking care of your own environment, your own business, and doing what you need to do. But I'm just at, this is a challenge because it's a challenge to me. But I'm just challenging you, listening. What is it that you're doing, or 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 maybe you just need to step up your understanding of of who that is in the tabernacle, mm-hmm. right? Or in any situation where you are, uh, when you're standing, when you're standing before the bishop or a holy priest of God or a holy deacon. You know, <laughs> the operative word there is holy. Yeah, exactly right. But the point is, I mean, what is what is what does sacred mean to you? Yeah. Uh, and have we lost a sense of the sacred? Have we given over so much of the sacred to the world? And do we fall into that trap when people say that oh, doesn't matter? God doesn't care what you wear to mass. God doesn't care whether or not you're wearing a veil. God doesn't care if you know this in Latin or if you, you know. It's like. The truth is, I, I get that God doesn't need that. The question he, he is, he does, but he doesn't. Well, he well, but he, he he doesn't, but he does. There are things that I think he asks of us, but I think that we need it. Yeah, I think for ourselves, we need to right sort of reestablish a sense of sacred in our own hearts, yeah. and we need to elevate our own worship and our own understanding of the presence of Christ in our lives. And literally, we can start in our parish, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So that's that's our challenge today. Is uh, uh, what can we do to step it up? What can we do uh, to make sure that we understand who that is in the tabernacle, that he desires a relationship with us? And then all during that Mass, what is it that we're doing? What are we focused on? Are we are we in a prayerful spirit? Are we thinking about that we're going to be going to breakfast afterwards? And I, and I know those are simple things to do, but the reality is maybe it's just as simple as every time I walk in front of the tabernacle I'm going to genuflect right and I don't care that anybody's watching I'm going to genuflect because I need to genuflect not because I'm teaching everybody else to genuflect Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to shame people. I'm not going to prostrate myself, you know, in front of those and start like doing some kind of uh, strange m- moves in front of the tabernacle. People are like, look at that holy man. That's not what'll happen. It's like, look at that crazy man. Look right. at that show off. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about bringing a sense of reverence Amen. for the Lord back Amen. into your life. And so that's that's. A, I think that's all of us can be challenged in that way. And wherever we are, whatever parish we go to. Whatever's the typical thing there and the norm, that's what we need to enhance and do it better because we can. Amen. And we need to ask the Blessed Mother always yes. to watch over us in this endeavor. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.